Hi, this is Ben Lowell with Back to the Bible Canada and Dr. John Newfeld. Well, we continue our series today, the Back to the Bible Canada 60th anniversary, with a message, well, a message entitled Finishing Well. And that's exactly what Theodore Epp did. What a remarkable man. Now, in just a few minutes, John, you'll have the opportunity to tell us a little bit of the history, but one of the things you did is you quote Theodore Epp, and I love this quote. It's about his own surrender to Christ, and he says, That night in simple faith, for the first time I appropriated for myself the benefits of the cross and accepted Christ as my life. What an incredible statement. Yeah, it is, because I find, first of all, the statement is profoundly biblical. It reflects a, a man deeply uh, understanding the, the, the nature of salvation from Scripture, but it's so profoundly personal at the same time. You know, Ben, I found that the more I looked at him, I saw a man who was able to do excellent expositional work, but he was also a man who was constantly experiential. He's experiencing the very things that he's talking about at the same time. So, I mean, I think the, 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 the both of those things must have made Theodore so very accessible to people. I mean, they understood him in their world and in their language, but, but they also knew that he was taking everything from a very in-depth understanding of Scripture. Thanks so much, John. And what you'll hear next from Theodore Epp is actually his last public message. So let's join Theodore Epp now. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit. What a joy to be with you today. As was already said, this is my last public meeting that I have scheduled. I don't plan to schedule anymore unless the Lord announces differently. But I couldn't miss this opportunity. What a way to go out and meet a group of people that are just coming in. Many of you are just starting in the ministry. Fifty-six years of preaching has been a joy. Fifty-one years ago, first broadcast, as he mentioned, and now back to the Bible nearly 47 years ago. I want to just, in a general way today, speak to you on some basic lessons that I've learned in these over 55 years of ministry. That was suggested to me by those who invited us. So you homiletic students, just put away your homiletics for a while. You know, homiletics has its place, and I had my studies in it. And if I can fit the message into the homiletical setup, I'll do so. But if homiletics gets in the way, I'm still going to give the message. <laughs> and so this is not what you'd call a homiletical type of a message. But rather, I just want to share from my heart in order to uh, encourage our faith. Some of the basic things we need to learn, and one of the most, most basic thing is this. The difference between faith and presumption. But first, uh, just a few key verses that lay the foundation. One from Joshua, Joshua 1, 
verse 3. Every place that the sole of thy foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. To my notion, that is the clearest statement of what faith is you can find anywhere in the Bible. There are many, many more, but this one is, I think, the clearest. Every place that the sole of thy foot shall tread upon, that have I given you. In other words, I've given it to you, but you've got to go take it. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, who hath blessed us, past tense, already given to us, but we have to take them. Second Peter 1, 3. According to his divine power, he hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath, that hath called us to glory and virtue. He hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life, eternal life, and glory and godliness. Then one more. This one has to do with how God calls people, how God calls men. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 29. I've gone back to that for hundreds of times for my own personal encouragement. Simply consider your own call, brethren. Not many that were con that uh, were considered to be wise according to the human estimates and standards. Not many influential and powerful. Not many of high and noble birth. No, for God selected. I'm reading from the Amplified, by the way. For God selected, that is, deliberately chose what in the world is foolish to put the wise to shame. And what in the world calls weak to put strong to shame. And God has selected, that is, deliberately chose what in the world is low-born and insignificant and branded and treated with contempt, even the things that are nothing, that he might depose and bring to nothing the things that are, so that no man, mortal being or man uh, should uh, boast in his presence. Now, faith, I would like to just simply say in three words, is faith is having. That's what Hebrews 11, 1 says. Let me read it to you. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is already having these things. And as I said, I think the, one of the key verses and keenest verses to demonstrate this and illustrate this is the one from Joshua, verse 1, verse 3. Every place that the sole of thy foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Now, just to contrast that, there is that thing called presumption, which sometimes we think is faith, and sometimes is a fine line, and not always easy to find out, and we're going to make some mistakes. But I remember one dear saint of God made, me, made this statement to me one time. It is harder to walk backwards. It takes more faith to walk backwards with God than forward. In other words, you've made a mistake, back up, go all, start all over again. Well, you remember Israel's great triumph at the sixth chapter of the book of Joshua. I think it would be wise for you to just take the book of Joshua, especially the first ten chapters, and not only just read them. Sometimes we just sort of read, read the Bible through in the year, and that's good. But to, to meditate upon them, each passage, each verse, each phrase, if you please. And you'll find some things in that sixth chapter 
that are very good. We'll uh, give you some more uh, about that in just a little bit. And then we see when we come to the seventh chapter of Joshua, a tremendous failure. Now that much for a little basic foundation. I just want to uh, just talk to you out of my heart. Reminisce a little bit as to what the Lord has done. And this was suggested, and I think it is good. Uh, what did you learn? Well, there's a lot of things I learned, and actually in about 30 minutes I can't tell you all of those, but I can tell you some things. And some of them are what I would say is very, very basic. In 1939, back in April, I uh, went to see a radio station manager in Lincoln, Nebraska. I came from Oklahoma. And uh, I was finally, after two hours of waiting, ushered in. And when I came uh, in to see the manager and the, and the sales manager and so on, they just bluntly asked, well, what do you want? <laughs> well, I had my speech all prepared, but it was gone by then. So I said, well, I just noticed that you have everything on your radio that people can want or desire except one thing, because I have that. And I'd like to have the privilege of buying time on your radio to present a Bible broadcast, giving the people the Bible. Well, they said, uh, you realize it costs some money. Oh, I said, oh, yes, I know that. Uh, what do you really want from us? Who will sponsor the program? Who will pay the bills? Again, my nice speech was gone. Well, I said, uh, and I said something I don't say anymore because I've known better now. But I said, well, my, my, my partner is going to pay for it. Well, uh, who's your partner? You came from Oklahoma. Who, some oil man down there? Oh, I said, no. God's my partner. Well, after they came out of almost a faint, the sales manager said, well, if God is your partner, I think we can gamble it. Now, that's all he knew about God. To them, it was a gamble. To me, it was a faith. Now, one thing I said, I wouldn't be, I'm not saying anymore, and that is God's my partner. That puts me on equal basis with God. And God's not my partner. God's my boss. Let's just get that clear. So, uh, one of the first very important lessons to learn that I learned, going back to the book of Joshua, that's where I've learned a lot of them, uh, together with back to the Bible, naturally, of course. And that is, that if I were to give it a subject, I would say, get your feet wet. That's the vernacular way of saying it. But what he's simply saying in that uh, third chapter of the book of Joshua, he says, now, uh, the people that carry the ark, representing the carrying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they come first, and they're to step into the river, walk right into it. It was overflowing its banks, by the way. Treacherous river at that time. They had some places where they could ford it, but no bridges, no, no uh, uh, barges or so on and so on. They had to go where they could ford it. But God says, let them roll right on in. And as they walk into the water, I'll take care of the rest of it. That was a tremendous lesson to learn. I always say, get your feet wet. Secretly, I often wonder whether their feet really got wet. Because as they stepped into the water, it just disappeared. God just raised up his hand, held it up over on this side, and it ran off on this side, and they went through. That was God's doings. It came to pass, it said. <laughs> Isn't that nice? 
celebrate 60 years of Back to the Bible Canada in 2018. 60 years of ministry that took place because of your prayers and support. In celebration, we'll be announcing a number of events, activities, programs, firsts, and special resources. The first of those is our 60th anniversary series with founder Theodore Epp and Bible teacher Dr. John Newfeld. I know you'll be impacted by the sound teaching and inspired by the heart of Theodore Epp for this ministry and the ongoing faithfulness to his original mission and vision. And as our gift to begin the celebrations, we want to send you this very special five-message series for free. Just ask. And for those who can remember 30, 40, 50 years of ministry ago, there may be also some special moments to stir your memory. So call for your copy or to make a ministry gift at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. Theodore Epp was born on January 27, 1907. And like myself, he was the son of Russian Mennonite immigrants. But unlike myself, Theodore was the product of missionary parents. His parents actually served the Hopi Indians in Arizona, which is where Theodore was born. Now, by his own testimony, young Theodore was baptized at the age of 15 after going through the catechism of his church and, in his own words, believing it all. But it was not until August of 1927, the age of 20, when he was attending a Bible conference that he realized his religion was in outward form only. And so, on one evening, that was August 10th, 1927, Theodore Epp finally surrendered his life fully to Christ. Indeed, let me put it in his own words. He said, That night in simple faith, for the first time, I appropriated for myself the benefits of the cross and accepted Christ as my life. You know, as a result of his experience and as a result of his in-depth study of Scripture, Theodore Epp throughout his life believed in two kinds of faith, what he called the difference between factual faith and appropriating faith. There's a difference between simply believing the facts of our faith to be true and applying or appropriating those facts personally to his life through faith. And that was accomplished for him in 1927. I find Theodore's biblical education to be a fascinating story. How does a small-town Mennonite boy become one of the best-known radio preachers in both the U.S. and in Canada? You know, and when I visit India, I still find a, a great many people quite familiar with his teaching and his preaching. Theodore Epp graduated from Oklahoma Bible Academy, which was an interdenominational school, although it was begun and run entirely by Mennonites. Now, I don't know how that worked, but no doubt what he learned in his early life in the Mennonite church did set the stage for who he was and what he was to become. But as he pursued more training, Epp attended Biola, or the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. It was a school that was inspired by Moody Bible Institute, and a school dedicated to training students in Bible and missions. And interestingly enough, both Theodore Epp and Charles E. Fuller are products of Biola, and I think it's fair to say those two men established the largest radio ministries in both the U.S. and in the world. Now, if you don't know, Charles E. Fuller's radio ministry was called the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, and it went on to become the most listened-to radio broadcast, either religious or secular, in the world at that time. Well, back to the Bible was not far behind. But back to Biola. In 1917, when Theodore was only 10 years of age, Biola published an extensive book called The Fundamentals, A Testimony to the Truth. Now, that book was edited by the dean of Biola, the very famous R.A. Torrey. 
And those of you who are older might remember Tory's very famous book on prayer. But Tory was also an excellent scholar of scripture, and Tory edited this volume on Christian fundamentals, and in so doing, he staked out Biola's reputation. The book contained a series of essays from some of the best-known evangelical scholars of the day, men like B.B. Warfield and James Orr and G. Campbell Morgan and the very famous Anglican bishop J.C. Ryle. The book was an evangelical Christian response to the growing threat of liberal Christianity, and so it contained scholarly articles on everything from the virgin birth to the incarnation and the atonement, the resurrection, Christianity and science, the two natures of Christ, the trustworthiness of Scripture. Indeed, it covered so many of the fundamentals of the faith that were, were all under attack from the then-growing liberal movement. But it was this foundation of rich, deep, intelligent, believing, and godly theology that was awaiting young Theodore when he arrived. So I can only imagine the milieu of scholarship and deep believing biblicism to which a young Theodore Epp must have been introduced. One simply can't listen later to Theodore Epp without sensing his deep, unwavering commitment to the truth of the gospel. But what's especially fascinating is that superimposed with that rich and extensive education that lay before him, Theodore Epp arrived at Biola without any money in his pocket except a confident trust that God wanted him to be there. Now, his accounts of God's miraculous provision of how at just the right time God provided for him set a stage for his life. You know, Theodore finished off his training at Fort Worth, Texas, earning a THM or a Master's of Theology from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. The next years of his life would prove to be preparatory for his lifelong work. He accepted a pastorate in a very small church in the little town of Goldtree, Oklahoma, the church had no money to pay their pastor and his family, and so an agreement was made that they would pay him from whatever happened to show up in the offering plate every week. Epp agreed, and he had already come to believe that God supplies all his needs. But of course, there was not enough in the offering plate to live. They simply averaged between 20 to 25 bucks a month. And so Epp, the entrepreneur and the man of faith, decided to buy a gas station in the town without the funds to do so. He simply, he simply believed that God had all the resources that he needed. And so on the day in which he took possession of the station, he had no money to pay for the tanks to be filled with gasoline. He put in an order that morning believing that God would supply. And just then he saw a man from his church who almost never came to that part of the town. They talked and the man explained that he believed that God had sent him there that morning, but he didn't know why. And to make a long story short, before that conversation was over, that man paid for everything Epp needed to get his business started. And Epp was learning that he could live in such a way in which he would be completely dependent upon God for everything. And in 1938, Epp describes a deep sense of inner restlessness that was beginning in both his heart and the heart of his wife, Matilda. Together, they sensed that their ministry in Oklahoma was coming to an end. And, and by then, Epp had already been on radio and was learning from a mentor the techniques and skills necessary for such an enterprise. And by then, Theodore's parents were living in Nebraska, and in the fall of 1938, while visiting his parents, a young woman had said to him, why don't some of you radio preachers from Oklahoma come to Nebraska? We have no daily gospel broadcasts here. And that comment was used by the Holy Spirit to stir up the apps. And even though they had other opportunities in faith, Matilda, Theodore, and their young family moved to Nebraska, and as they say, the rest is history. So Theodore Epp arrived in Lincoln, Nebraska on April 5, 1939 at the age of 32. 
One station had a 10,000-watt coverage and was heard throughout the entire state. But Epp had no money and nothing to offer, but he made an appointment to see the station manager. He spent two hours in the foyer waiting to see the manager, and he was praying the whole time. His nervousness grew, and when he was finally ushered into the office, he forgot everything that he was going to say. And until the end of his life, Epp believed that what he said next was given to him by the Holy Spirit. He told the station manager that he had everything on his broadcast except something for the heart. We have that, he said, and need an opportunity to present that to your people. Then he explained his gospel preaching ministry. And as you've heard him say, Epp also told the manager that for the past 12 years, he's had a partner who has taken responsibility for all his financial needs. And with a promise that God was his partner, Epp asked for a purchase of a daily 30-minute program. He was asked to return the next day as the manager would think about it. And the next day he was given a 15-minute slot on a much smaller station, heard only locally, and the price was $4.50 per broadcast. He had no money, but in May 1st of 1939, the first ever Back to the Bible program was heard only in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'll say more about how the program came to Canada tomorrow, but during his lifetime, Theodore Epps saw that small program grow to be heard worldwide, translated into 10 languages, printing 8 million pieces of literature every year, supporting 270 missionaries, developing children and youth ministry, and touching countless millions of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When Theodore Epp identifies with Joshua, that God was going to give him the land, he says that precisely because this is how God had blessed and prospered this remarkable man who appropriated everything God said to himself. So this year, we're celebrating 60 years of this remarkable ministry in this country, in Canada. And as we do so, we want to honor what God had done in one remarkable man that touched so many lives and that we continue to see touching lives today. Thanks, John. This gives us a great background of the ministry of Theodore Epp and the man himself. And remember, you can get the CD series as our gift and our celebration of the 60th anniversary by calling us at 1-800-663-2425 or visiting backtothebible.ca. Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. Truth and Life magazine. Now is the time to make sure you subscribe for our free bi-monthly magazine, Truth and Life. The next issue will be released in February, so by subscribing now, you'll ensure it will arrive on your doorstep. This next issue will discuss the distortion of love we find in our culture and the absence of a biblical understanding of love, love for God, love for others, and love in relationships. It also includes regular features for reading through the Bible in a year updates on activities and events, and every issue features articles by Dr. John Newfeld, Phil Calloway, Isaac Dagno, and guest authors and pastors. February is culturally a time we celebrate love. Let's make sure we do it right. So to ensure you get your issue, or to support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.